Okay, I think we're good. So thank you so much for being here. This is another episode of uh, Dirty Scrap the Aluminum Podcast, and I'm here with Dan. And I think the, the guy next to you is your, your son, right? Oh, hell no. 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 <laughs> You're too young to see to, to have this old oh, guy. <laughs> I am not. He would be he would be in line with my middle, my middle uh, daughter. But no, we are blessed to have a great group. This is Todd Kaufman. Uh, he's one of our young leaders. Um, we can get into that later. We are blessed to have a group of them. So my kids are out building a, a career and, and may come back one day like I did later in my life. But um, I'm blessed right now to have a great group of young leaders like Todd. Amazing. It's not easy to have people that is, you know, great for the business, but also for your life. It's not easy. Uh, oh. Find good people is not easy. When you find it, you need to realize how to keep it, right? It's the oh, only way. Right, right. How would you how would you react to that? I mean, people's everything. Um, yeah, uh, so I started doing sales stuff here about like two months ago. And when I started, I would talk about like metal, obviously, a lot. But I found that right. if you just connect on like a personal level, um, it'll work out a lot better for you. Yeah, cool. It's, it's, it's personal, like you said. And, and he's been out. He's been out to schools. His passion, he loves kids. <laughs> like you nice. can't get away from kids. He loves, he has nieces and nephews. He just loves hanging with kids and, and helping inspire them. And I'll tell you, kids don't want to learn from old people like me. They want to learn from people that are in their age. Agreed. And the fact that we can deploy these guys as role models for business leaders who can look and work blue collar, but talk right. white collar. That and that's what I know you're about a lot, and that's why I really admire you. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'm just a simple guy that likes to, you know, be right. hardworking, and and it is what it is. And this is one of the the the, the ideas of this podcast. I started in 2020 uh, with the pandemic starts and everything. I started checking by myself what I'm doing for for the people outside because for me as a Colombian guy it was very complicated getting to the industry. Everyone was, uh, you're too young, your English is too bad, and some other things that I don't want to uh, talk about here because of Colombia, right? But I realized that we need the people that has the knowledge, and we need to put the knowledge through whatever it is, the social media or any other platform for the people that is coming because the future is not us. It's the people right. that is coming behind us, right? So, Dan... How you start doing your business or how you get into this business when I can see that you came from the TV shows or the TV platforms and your bachelor is on art and how? Tell me about it. Okay. I did laugh when you mentioned the arts because <laughs> I will say I went, I went, I, since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Um, so I went to Syracuse um, for broadcasting. I lasted okay. two weeks. And then they said, get on over. You have a face for radio, get to production. So I tried production. That was probably a month. And they're like, you're not really? good at that. So go into advertising. So I, I started my career marketing and advertising. Um, had worked in the scrap metal business since I was eight. Child labor laws didn't exist here. And I'm sure they didn't exist in your family in Colombia. Nope, not at all. Um, we can talk about those similarities because this business is founded by third generation Lebanese immigrants who face a lot of the same challenges you did. Um, right. And I can't wait to get into your story for that reason. There's a big similar parallel. But I had the base of working in this with my hands since I was a kid. My dad actually 
um, and my cousin Mike, his dad, they both talked us out of it because they wanted to make sure we wanted it and not coming in. And we've seen other family businesses where kids inherit, get it easy, come in, and that never works because first of all, that's not earned and nothing earned and everything in life has to be earned. And secondly, what does that say to the people who are working side by side with you in the business? Um, What does that say when someone can just come in unearned? So I had that background since I was a kid. um, And I did about 15 years in advertising, had a wonderful life, loved that. Uh, We lived in New York, near where you were in Queens, and your hat, which I see is the uh, (laughs) sustainability Yankees hat. Um, (laughs) So we lived in New York and then went down to D.C. for a while and worked at different TV stations selling TV commercials for different events, which I love. Really? It's all about demographics, marketing. And then I just brought that to this business. And this business, unfortunately, does not. We've done the same thing for 80 years. We've always been the good guys. We've always been the sustainability guys. But now... Everyone has caught up to us and figured out that we're actually really the good guys and not the bad guys. Um, so, but just to, now, just now, yes, yes <laughs> it needs to be market, and we'll be refighting that with the environmental justice movement and everything. Which there are good pieces of everything, right? But incremental improvement is what we what we all need to be about. So that was a very long-winded answer to how I got here, and I've been back here since '05. And I've loved every minute of it. The last three years, when we have really ramped up our organization by bringing in young talent, has mm-hmm. been the real, the real springboard for us. That's been the why of our organization. Right. So this is your own company, or because I, I can see the company has your your name, right? Or is your dad's name? Or yes, yes. So it's um, right now. My cousin Mike and I are third generation. Um, owners of the company. Mm-hmm. My dad drives a roll-off truck every day. He is here in full support, True. helping me through, but also at the same time... Steel. Yes, 76 and strong. He Very is. Strong. He's a tough guy. Yeah, these yeah. guys are afraid of him. Um, but anyway, <laughs> no, he's, he's a great he's a great inspiration to me for work ethic. It's a, it's a constant daily reminder of work ethic and integrity and he's still here supporting that but also understood and there's other i have other friends in the business and other where i see some people can't let go he was able to let go to let us lead mike and i lead but then also still stay in support so that's his balance of of life because so it, it's not easy it's not easy to let go you know oh and, no and, it's not easy mostly it's when not. you're building something that you want for someone else but when you realize that you need to just let it go and let that someone else to build it up on his own way it's not easy it's complicated no, it's and if i would pan to the right you would see the childhood home he grew up in so this place cool. is steeped in history tradition um, these guys, my, my great-grandfather um, came over from Lebanon, um, and he, early 1900s, he went all the way to San Francisco to work on the docks, which is amazing to do that at that time. Send money okay. back. For your, I want to hear your family's story, because I bet you have similarities. 
sent money back and brought the kids over one by one. And 1942 is when they started kind of peddling. Mm -hmm. So weren't in scrap metal. It was survival. So I'll buy a load of fruit and I'll go do that. And on the way back, I'm just going to buy things. I'm going to bring them home, resell them. Some antiques, some scrap, burlap bags, whatever. I mean, you should see some of the old weight tickets we have. There is the items on there are like crazy. The items were really? bought and sold, but because there was no other business they could get into, like you said, it was there. The barrier to entry was high. It's why I have a passion for refugees and people who are really trying to make it. Um, right. I, I just have such a a passion for that because of that because we are the same story. Cool. Now you are, that you are saying that you are the third generation on this business, what is different now from the beginning? How 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 is it going to how how being this evolution of the business when was your dad and now you and what do you think is going to be the future of your business because everything is changing before let's say 10 or 20 years ago uh, scrap jars and all these type of industries people used to say you know this is a is is a complicated place it's dangerous but right now with the sustainability and go green and everything that is taking, uh, let's say, trends right now on the recycling industry, everything is changing. How, how are you seeing this, these changes? So, Todd, I'd like you to speak to a little of that. What, um, you, Todd, it's interesting because a lot of times with us, we carry impressions from the past. Right. What's your impression of this industry, this business? Uh, and, and you've been to various events and just here in the yard. What's your impression? Um, For how long have you been in the industry, Todd? Uh, you're just pretty month, young. Uh, yeah, at the end of this month, will actually be two years I'll be here at Sods. Okay. For about two years in the industry. And he's not 21 yet. Nope. His, his, oh, his, his, 10 his, days. His 21st birthday is going to be his first day in an executive key peer group. Congratulations. So, oh, it's Thank awesome. You. But so that means the night before is going to have to be light. Very light. Very light. <laughs> okay yeah, you but know, talk about it. I think the evolution of this industry is definitely going to get um, a little crazy. I think you're going to have to be able to kind of like change with the times if you're going to want to be successful. Uh, we went to a lot of you guys went to the automation um, convention in Detroit. And I talked to my buddies who went and they said, that the future is very bright in that area. So, and especially the 3D printing, I feel like that will affect us a lot. So you're just gonna have to really yep. change with whatever um, whatever stuff comes. I mean, I think it's all good. You just will have to change with it and see how see how you can kind of grow with it. And, and the other thing um, is, uh, Julio, I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is what's going to change um, are mm-hmm. the technologies. But what's oh, going yeah. to stay is relationships and people. And these guys, I mean, they're going to the Isri Best and Brightest event in Boston. We've invested in them. He's been to the Isri Convention. They're in Ooh. executive peer groups. So the more investment we as an industry do in our young people, the better our industry will be because we are going to need them. We um, also, our local Isri, Isri, which I can't speak highly enough about as an organization. It provides oh, yeah. a platform for us to do a lot of these things. Um, but ISRI, 
uh, we were at a legislative event just about three weeks ago up in Harrisburg. And I took a bunch of these young guys up there to meet legislators. And we had Ooh. some really concrete discussions. Out of that, they got a tour behind the scenes from our rep at the Capitol, which was amazing. And just two days ago, a bill came up on catalytic converters. And nice. the rep came in and asked us our opinion. So it's, it's being engaged in the community. Um, and the only way you can do that is by stepping, you have to keep one foot in the business processing every single day. That's why we dress like this. This is not a prop. We are doing this and we're doing marketing at the same time. You have to have one step in, one foot in, one foot out, because what's coming at us is mm -hmm. going to be a lot of regulation and we have to oh, be prepared. Yeah. We have to be prepared to be great upstanding members of our community, inviting our community to see everything we do and understand all the good we do. We are the most essential cog in the sustainability process. Without us, the supply chain chokes. We are that important and we have to show that so everyone can understand you can't just saddle regulations that's going to cost a company $30 million. We have to discuss it and we have to phase things in. We have to do things with the with people in mind. We have to do the right thing, but we have to understand that we need our industry. Our industry is essential in that way. So that's what's going to change. But what's going to stay the same is the relationships because people right. and relationships are what will drive the business. Yeah, I'm totally agree with you. Um, you guys are the foundations of the, the the industry of the recycling industry. I want I want to ask you something because I want people to know how an uh, uh, like uh, an industry like your industry can help the community because for a lot of people out there they have no idea. So, what are you doing right now? How can you help the community? And how are you getting ready for what is coming? Well, um, we've been at this a while. We we 17. This our this year was our 17th annual Earth Day celebration. Um, Congratulations! And when I started, oh, thank you. Um, and 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 I know sometimes people get the wrong impression. Um, yesterday I was a carbon neutral event. I'm a guy in industry who believes in incremental improvement, incremental change. The the all or nothing approach never works and is economic disaster. We have to incrementally get better every day. And industry is our friend in that because without industry, yeah, it's not going agreed. to happen. Industry cannot be the enemy. So what we've done is opened our doors to the public and what everyone can do, every, every organization that's involved in this can open the doors to the public and show off how we process things, how safe we are. We always can get better. We always can get more sustainable and we are going to always try to improve. But we have, you can't be afraid to open your doors and show. Um, we have, like I said, we have just, we've done Earth Day for 17 years. And when we do Earth Day, we show our processes within the yard and everyone gets an up close visit. But we also Ooh. bring in all of our partners. Um, so we bring in people to talk about native plants. We bring in people to talk about the bees. We bring in people at Lancaster County Solid Waste, our local authority is a, our recycling rate in this area is 51% because of the efforts that they do. 
So right. we bring all these partners in and wrap this all around what we do. But it's not just about recycling metal. It's about a fully comprehensive, sustainable living model. Right. Right. And we're just hosting it in our scrapyard and people are stunned. Like a scrapyard has, you know, bees. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what's important. And uh, right. Todd, can you speak to what, he, what did you do this week? Um, yeah. So this week I did a school tour um, yesterday, I believe that was. Oh, hard to remember. But I did a school <laughs> tour yesterday and I have one again tomorrow. Um, which I just love to do the school tours because that's the next generation. And personally, I never came to a scrapyard before working here. So I never knew like kind of what goes on here at all. Right. And I lived in Columbus my whole life. So it's cool to kind of show the younger generation the stuff we do and that it's not really as bad as like it was looked at as in the past. Um, you can really like have a good career in this industry and it can um, like give a lot of opportunities to you and your family. You kind of just have to um, right. take the opportunity if you get it. That's Absolutely. amazing. It's, it's the same thing that these people from this book is doing right now, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, Jessica is awesome. She's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 we, we are helping them with the Spanish version right now. Uh, it's done. So it's amazing. What do you do when you, when you go to the schools and do this tour? What, what do you do with them, with the kids? Well, Well, what we try to do, we do it both ways, and we're really ramping this up. First of all, this is not anything that we brilliantly came up with. ISRI has a whole Jason curriculum that is mm -hmm. absolutely amazing by age level, and that's another thing we need to push more in our organization. Um, they, they basically have curriculum, packaged curriculum for kids. Um, oh, really? But what we try to do, Oh yeah, Isri Jason, wow. and you should put a link in this podcast to it. Um, it's oh, a really? it's a sustainability um, by age level specific uh, program that they offer. Um, Jessica's book. There's so many leaders in this area, and so much content already out there. We use that for our virtual, but what we really want is get kids in here. So I would rather spend the money to get a bus to get kids in here. Oh, yeah. So they can see this. It's not always possible. The other day we did a an expo um, in a school where the kids all came around. It was a career day and Todd represented us and I was there and we just talked about how we do things. But seeing it up close is gets you to a whole different level. And that's why I said we open up our yard because I think it's so much more impactful to see it. And And the funny thing is, I even let some of the kids take trinkets. Now I make sure we're in the steel area when they pick up some things. They can't take out the popper. Right. But it's so funny. But I will tell you, I can spot every tour. Can you not spot? You know who you're going to have to be watching. Yep. We know who oh, the yeah. strengths yeah. are. Yeah. But the best part is they're probably going to be the best future employees. Yeah. Because I agree. I agree. They will be the leaders for sure. Oh, they're kids laying in the dirt. We have these little rounded punchings and I let them have a few, their little steel punchings that come out of a rack system. A good customer of ours, Ross, makes industrial uh -huh. racking to store generators. So they're the heavy okay. beam rack. So right. they have to punch out the holes and it's something that kids can touch. So we like to have them be able to touch the metal. We'll give those samples out, but the copper's not leaving. <laughs> sure. It's cool, too, because um, like a lot of the times we get like repeat people coming for tours. Like mm -hmm. I had a kid yesterday. Um, this was the third tour I gave to him. 
And I finally got to get a picture with him, which was cool. He didn't want to get get a picture with me the past two times. But it's just cool to see. Him. I have like, like there was like an eight year old yesterday who said maybe I want to work here, and I've been telling that the other kid that I was going to get him an application when he's older. It's just cool to see like, um, see the kids actually enjoy it and like be interested in it, something different. And right. and the key is having staff and and family, to be quite honest that are relatable to those to those people you you i actually i do want to touch on something kind of wrapping it around that you asked me at first what's changed and again i want to i want to hear from your story but <laughs> the immigrant struggle is very hard to duplicate the further you get along down the generations because we get comfortable even probably in your story the more success you have the harder it is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh yeah. For us, it's been about instilling those core values. The first generation and even the second didn't need core values because they were surviving. We yeah. need those values to point back. Tell us a little bit about you. I, I'm very interested in, in your story. Well, um, as I said at the beginning, uh, I'm from Colombia. Um, I am a material engineer. And back in Colombia, everything was pretty good till I realized that my dad was running out of money because I started seeing everything from the house going away. Oh. So we used to have a certain period. level of life. I, I mean, time it is, uh, I was, I'm 39 right now. I was 15, 16. Oh, that's hard. Oh, it is. It is. And and the issue was I saw my, my dad like trying to keep the same um lifestyle for a long time and then i start realize okay what is happening with this thing is it's not anymore in the house the furniture started going away and um he was like trying to hide everything from us and i understand why so i decide to 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 say to myself you know i don't want this for my kids i don't want this for my dad anymore so i start building my own company um uh, the company name was uh, Redox Company, and we used to do uh, like products for um, car batteries. Uh, you know, for the battery, extend the battery life. In Colombia, was around two or three years, but a lot of people used to push the car because the battery was damaged and they don't have the right. the money to afford a new one. That happened to me. I remember once we we, we were on vacation uh, on, on my apartment, and my dad came six a.m. in the morning. And he wakes up my, me and my brother and he said, you know, I need you to go downstairs because I need you to push the car because I cannot start the car. So, so we, we did it. Yeah. And I said, damn, man, I don't want to do this anymore. But for sure, I am not the only one in Colombia that is doing this. So we started thinking in a product, we develop a product, we extend the battery life twice or, or, or even more. So we started doing the job, marketing, everything. And the big companies like, uh, uh, what was the name of this company? Exxon. Johnson Exxon. Controls is huge oh, company. Oh, yeah, they're huge. They're they, tried, they tried to hit us because the, the business for them was selling batteries, right? The business mm -hmm. for us was you don't need to buy any more batteries. You just can extend your battery life. So they, they tried to buy our, our company. At the end, I keep working. We sold the company. I, uh, I I give all the money to my dad. 
And then I met my wife when I was 22. We, we've been together since, I don't know, we already have like almost 18 years together. So it's a lot of time. Uh, yeah. yeah, I sold the, the, the company. I give the money away to my, to my dad. He deserved it. And she moved to uh, United States uh, with a contract for three years. She's a speech therapist. So they said to her, you know, if you want, we can give your husband uh, the papers for uh, living here in the United States and he can work and whatever it is. But you need to extend your contact, your contract for two more years. And I was building my myself in Colombia as an engineer. Right. So I built my company. I sold it. And then I started working as a consultant. One day from another, she said, you want to come? And I said, yes, we got married, married. And the next day I flew from Colombia to the United States. I left oh, everything. Awesome. One week before I came here, a guy just appeared and said, you, do you want to work with us? And here I am. Oh. Now, this is the, the, the easy part. The hard part became when I was trying to get into the North American market. For me, it was super complicated because my, my English is not the best right now, but it's, it's better than before. And at the beginning was, you know, I'm a Colombian guy. I want to get into the industry and everyone will say, oh, do you like cocaine? Like that. And yeah. Pablo Escobar. And, and for me, it's okay. It is what it is. I understand that. But it's not me, right? I remember I was at the Israel show. Actually, we are coming to the Israel show next week in Dusseldorf, Germany, 2019. We were there and I was talking with a guy from a huge company here in the United, in the United States. And he said, you know, you're a baby. I won't, I won't buy anything from you, from you never. What? And two years ago, I sold this guy $2.4 million in products. So I, I said, love- you know, so I've been... Uh, I don't know if it's the right word or not, hustling uh, very hard yeah. in this country, but I love it. I think it's a country that allows you to be whatever you want, mm-hmm. to have whatever you want. And if you are ready to work and go for it, you can do it. So more or less, that's my story. Uh, I love that. That's yeah, that's so, inspiring. That should be inspiring to everyone listening to this. And, and you know, you know why I started doing the podcast? Because for me, it was very complicated to get into the business. So I said, you right. know, I will start putting some well-known guys on my side so that people can see me with them so they can start like realize, oh, this guy right. is here. So well, you, that's well, why. You went, you went down to the bottom of the barrel today. I, I hope we, I hope we can come <laughs> back after this. Oh, no. And, and one, one thing that I want to ask you is because people, I think they don't understand the recycling process and the importance that this has for the society. How is the recycling, the recycling process when you receive a material, sorting, everything? How do you do it? Okay. So um, we can both kind of talk about that because we're at different levels of it. What we So 20% of our business is people who come in with material, just right. regular off the street come in. We also sell reusable metal to the public, which is a little bit of an oddity. Um, so that's a little sliver of our business, but about 80% of our business is relationships with industrial manufacturing customers where we okay. spot a dumpster, we guarantee a 24 hour turnaround. So as soon as we get notification, 
oftentimes within five or six hours, we've already turned that dumpster. That is our like Ooh. key unique selling proposition is we get to our customers and we service them quickly. Um, also, we also supply upfront formula pricing. So we believe in total transparency. Um, nice. Our customers at the beginning of every month know what their steel price is because we send out a pricing report. It's already indexed to fast markets. They know their percentage and they know exactly what they have. We are uh, our, our copper and aluminum's indexed to the metal exchange by day. So everyone like everyone has all the information. So the transparency and the quick response are what mm -hmm. make us special in our community. And it's what bonds us to our customers. So for us, the, other, the actual processing part of it, um, we bring in a dumpster and there's these dumpsters often have five or six grades of material in them. So right. we stored it. So both of us and with, with equipment and, and a great team, we have a great older team that mentors these guys. Um, I guess cool. I'd be in the older team. <laughs> um, but there's a great, they work side by side and, and just the community that builds. There is no way to build greater community than to go and help someone do a manual labor job. I, I have right. such passion for that and such belief that that's how you build a culture is you go and you just float around and help. So we've built this teamwork model where everyone, no one will ever get yelled at for moving off task if they're going to help someone else in a servant leader mode. I agree. And, and it's, that's, that's, that's passion here. And so what we do, we'll dump the dumpster and then we will either torch, bale, or shear the material okay. to be in the final spec, whether it's going to a foundry or a steel mill or a non-ferrous metals processor. But all that sorting happens and we give customers the value, whether they have bushling in there, mm -hmm. whether they have slag, whether they have, you know, just regular unprepared number one, we grade it out by right. category. So we do that sorting work for them. So that's, that's kind of how we operate. And like I said, the biggest thing is the transparency of them knowing the pricing is up front and and then also they know we're going to service them within a few hours. Where these guys come in oftentimes, where we flood to, is we torch cut still. We have not okay. found. So we're always looking for innovation. I, I was at the automation conference, as Todd said, in Detroit, which was absolutely amazing. You could do a whole mm -hmm. show on that and, right. and 3D printing. Um, but I was at that looking for some solution for torch cutting for foundry metal. And it's very hard when you have existing steel skeleton plates that you have to cut down 18 by 24. Mm -hmm. A lot of the big machines like the shear balers, the throat is already too wide to handle something like that. So mm -hmm. even if they chop mm. it down, the throat is a three foot throat. So it doesn't do right. you any good there. And it's crumpled and too big. So these guys, probably the hardest job in our yard, but sometimes they like to check out. Why don't you tell them about torching? It's a good break. So when I started here two summers ago, um, <laughs> I torched for eight hours a day. Um, right. For weeks, I, I would say. Um, we torched down there because the way they explained it, if you could do that, you can pretty much do whatever um, here. Uh, I like how they, they always say they'll never hire on skill anymore. They'd rather hire good people because you can teach anyone to do this stuff. 
Um, but we start, I'm glad I started torching down there because it kind of made me thankful for like what I do now, even though I still torch, it, I have like more opportunity now to like grow. Um, the torching is right. great. It, great teamwork. Um, I'm thankful enough. I get to work with like three or four of my best friends here. So um, when torching comes in, it's, it might not be as great on like a hundred degree day, but when you're doing it with a couple of your best friends, it's, it's great. And he brings up a point there. We don't graduate from jobs. Like <laughs> nothing, nothing gets me more stirred. I would say yeah. Is that a nice way to say yeah. that than hearing someone say that that job isn't for them. What I, so obviously in an organization, we're a very flat organization. As we grow, mm -hmm. we're going to have to specialize a little more, but we will never lose the magic of no job being beneath anyone. Right. And that goes top okay. down. Like I will do anything with them. My cousin Mike was torching with these guys for two days this week. Yeah. And some people might say, you know, if you, if you took your hourly rate, that doesn't pay. But you know what? That's not the investment. The investment is in right. the culture and the team. And that pays every time. So I love metrics, but that's a metric I'll always stand by. For sure. Right. It's great. Um, when I started, I remember two, two summers ago, one of the dirtiest jobs here, I would say, is cleaning out underneath the baler. <laughs> and um, me and Dan actually did it. Um, it was very dirty, but it's good, like, I feel like in pre some of my previous jobs, like, I feel like it's like not a bad thing, I guess, but um, not too many like business owners will be get getting down there kind of um, doing the dirty work right next to you, which that mm -hmm. kind of opened my eyes up a lot to like, wow, like they actually kind of they, they care a lot. What um, he what he didn't tell you is that job's off limits from probably March to October because I'm petrified of snakes. And whenever I see a snake, I run. And the really? thought, <laughs> oh, the thought of the Indiana Jones under the baler pit when it's locked right. out and being trapped <laughs> with a snake is just I'm done. So that really that job that that baler clean out always happens. The last we cleaned it out like in April. I pushed it this year. I'm not getting under there till till October. <laughs> no way at all. <laughs> I am petrified. So even at we had, a, we had a chamber of commerce tour the other day. My friend Todd was happy to put this up on social media, but we had industry leaders and this is what we do also, not just kids, industry leaders come into our yard and see how we operate. Um, That's great. Yeah, I'm on a tour and I turn a corner and a snake is in the middle of the road and I scream <laughs> like a little girl. I, I just, I lost it. I was terrified because my back was to the snake and Dan was in front of me and I saw his face. I was like, what is behind me? And then I turned around. Yes, snake. it was stretched out. Just a snake. Oh, just a, a snake, Dan, what are you doing? <laughs> I am, I know. It's just a mental thing with me. I yeah, can't yeah. get over it. And a lot of times the guys will stretch out um, insulated copper wire on the road uh -huh. to try to scare me sometimes. Because <laughs> they, you a black piece of wire or rubber looks like a snake, and I just right. I lose it. So right. yeah, so I, I, I that's my kryptonite. For 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 the torching, have you tried this plasma torch technology that is automatic, or is is something that you just can't uh, let, let fit in your process? Because your process is not continuous, right? You don't have the same sizes every time. Right. So, but, with with AI now you know to segue 
at the automation conference, one of the one of the most interesting things I saw was um, not actually any of the technology, but these groups that are are your consultants and advisors and who can send a project out across the board to like 400 companies, 400 integrators and say, put up pictures. One was how to robot. And I think that was actually a really good presentation I saw mm -hmm. where you can put, here's my process. I would like to try to automate this in some way. And you can put right. it up there to study. For us, the big, the key is with AI, I think there'll be a way that it can happen when it can memorize. Maybe. But when you're memorized, you have to memorize each different skeleton plate as it sits uh, on a table. Right. So I think that's really hard. Obviously, our bread and butter is our customers taking a flat piece of steel or aluminum or stainless, laser cutting it to make their product, and then right. we get that scrap. But starting with the scrap with the holes is a whole different story. And as I said, a lot of the shear bale or loggers, the throat's too big to accommodate foundry. So there's very few that would have a, a two foot throat. So we're, we're looking at it and I'm sure I'm glad that we're on the podcast talking about it because I'm sure someone has an idea. For sure. For sure. And the, the other question that I have, because no one wants to get dirty anymore. And for me, it's, hearing Todd is amazing because it's, it's not something that you are hearing very often right now uh, from the young guys right right there right because the the technology allow you to make money out of whatever it is instead to go to the the dirty scrap site right so are you seeing lack of labor because a lot of people that is involved in the industry is seeing that but are you are you seeing the same um honestly i wouldn't say um we're seeing a lack of labor. I mean, I, I can speak for all the young guys here. We come and work um, hard every day and we even have people come in like, like Dan said earlier, we're 20% residential. So we even have people come off the street and like ask for jobs. And it's kind of, it's like sad. Cause like, we're not, right. you can only hire so many people and they see like how great of a place this is to work. So I would say we're definitely not lacking um, the labor here. I think the That's difference is, is we provide purpose with the dirt. A lot of people want to put someone Love in it. a job and, and, you know, hey, here's your job. It's not very appealing. If I can show Todd that we are building purpose, our why is to grow this company so we can give these guys a sustainable living. Um, right. We want them to be able to raise a family and be here to grow with us. So to do that, we're going to have to grow. So right. his job could go from creating a video to market our business, to going to Torch, to going to sort some aluminum, and then going out to visit customers. So, and tonight we're going to a manufacturing dinner. I mean, we are in the community at all the organizations multiple times a week. We probably are represented Great. three or four times a week in just in the community, not scrap metal. Like, but where our customers are, manufacturers, where the community is. That's what we do. So that underpinning is giving purpose. And when they see us working in the dirt, um, and like, I love, I mean, when you sent me the invite, I couldn't say yes quick enough because the dirt, I mean, dirt, dirty living, but because it's, it's, 
to me, honestly, it's the only way to go. I, I will never lose that, I don't think. So right. I think that having purpose underneath it is what inspires these guys to give their effort. I'm totally agree. Now, I, I don't want to take much time from you guys. So I have two more uh, questions that I want to, to ask. So the first one is now that you are talking about growing and involving the community means that you need to grow in order to help your community to grow with you or you with the community. Do you think that more scrappers are thinking in turn themselves into foundries? Because I'm seeing a lot of people going in, going in that direction. So it's not just sorting and recycling and selling the metal, but also they are thinking, okay, I have the raw material. Why? What if I start doing a value added product and selling in a different way? What do you think about it? No, I think it's a great idea. Any, any way you can vertically integrate is, is essential. Um, the same thing's happening to us on the other side from steel mills. They're looking to vertically integrate. They want right. to buy their supply. Um, so this is all happening around us, and we have to be able to, to look at that. We actually did have a smelting business at one time that didn't perform as well as we, we, we hoped, um, right. but we went out and tried that. And I think there will be, as we go further, um, like I said, 3D printing and additive manufacturing is coming. Uh, we're going to have to find solutions. The other area... I think if so, so smelting is definitely one. That's something we would consider looking at again, right. um, should, because we've done it and we have we've dipped our toe into it and we've looked at it. But I think the basis of any good business opportunity is solving a problem, and I think our industry is going to be at the forefront because manufacturers have not put the effort into finding out how things can be recycled on the upfront before they make a product. This is going to create for us an awesome opportunity to serve the community and build businesses. Recycling of solar panels, recycling of all the renewables. Everyone made all these renewables without any thought to the end product. And the worst case is the lithium ion batteries. Not only do they have no end source, they can create fires. We around here, we, I don't know what's happening in Florida, but when those batteries get compacted in a truck, mm -hmm. uh, we work with our partner Lancaster County Solid Waste on this education. And the local fire companies are really starting to be a part of this conversation. But when right. these batteries get damaged and smash in a truck, they're creating fires. Last month, we had uh, a trash truck have to dump a load in a shopping shopping mall parking lot because the truck was on fire and, up, really wow oh absolutely this is becoming a really really big thing we've had um a trash processing facility go up in flames from this we just and, left an event like two or three weeks ago and when we got off the highway there was a trash truck on fire Remember yeah. prospect yes exactly oh, it's happening it's real. a lot and that's concerning that, oh it is and, and again, I, I hate to, to constantly point back to ISRI because we're such proud members, but ISRI actually has a program called Design for Recycle. Mm -hmm. um, it's a program I think should be out there much more than it is, um, but it, it honors companies that upfront figure out ways to be more sustainable when they're building the product. So you don't have windmill turbines that need to get landfilled. You don't have solar panels where we have no idea what we're doing with them. 
Um, it's honoring companies that upfront, I think Sunoco was this year's winner, um, maybe last year's, but it's just, it's the little innovations to make a product totally recyclable as it's being created. Because what's happening now is these manufacturers of these items are creating a product and they're having no responsibility for how it's recycled. So we as an industry have yeah. to deal with it. And at the same time, we have to add on all these massive infrastructure fixes and we're serving the community. And if we're not right. around, there's going to be no one. So this is all coming down the pike very quickly and it's happening now. It is. It is actually uh, we, we are when you talk about solutions, that's what we do. We do solutions. And my my dream is to change the aluminum industry as we know it right now and make it greener more efficient closed loop system that you can you know reuse the energy that you create into your process itself heating the buildings with the fumes out of the foundry everything yep. that's what we do and so i totally understand what you're saying could you explain that for me could you explain sure. exactly what you do so what, what we do is we sell solutions for the foundry industry like furnaces casting lines but Equipment is equipment. Anyone mm -hmm. can sell equipment. So what we sell is integration with several partners to create the right solution, and we customize everything. Our first, our our first or our stronger point here is that we create closed loop solutions. That means that every piece of energy that you are creating into your process, because for example, after you're sorting, you want to dry or clean or delicate your chips or your UVC or whatever it is, but you have organic content there. Organic is energy. Why mm -hmm. you will throw the energy on the atmosphere when you can reuse it? So we right. reuse that energy into our processes. Or if, for example, you live in Pennsylvania, so you will have a long winter. So we can just take those fumes, clean the, clean, clean the fumes, and then put it into your building to heat up your building. So your bill will be lower. You will hit yep. your building with your existing process, but also we can reuse the process in the process itself. So you can preheat your scrap or you can uh, dry your chips or whatever it is. So that that is our approach. And now we are going into the hydrogen because we really okay. want to make uh, something different. Now, we are into the aluminum side, so we can help the EVs, the solar panel guys and everything. But as you just said, lithium and everything is is a really big concern that everyone should like look at it and say, okay, what's next? We need to work right. on that. Right. And I think we need to slow down a little bit, just like AI needs to be slowed down because oh, yeah. there's a lot of oh, danger yeah. for that. That's a yeah. whole other thing that people need to be woken up to. But you have to slow down so we don't go too far down a path that isn't sustainable. If the purpose is sustainability, you can't just create <laughs> your way and not think about sustainability it's the most hypocritical thing i've ever heard it is and it is. it's what we're doing right now it, it's right. nuts so companies like yours that offer closed loop are great and we have a, an example here our incinerator our waste to energy facility takes the steam and powers a purdue pharma plant a purdue there plant, you go right to it so it's about hubs i think it's about hubs of manufacturing. And I'd love to talk to you at some point about something because oh, sure. there's a lot of ideas that you've thrown out there. Yeah, sure. Anytime. So last question. Talk, talk, talk to me about dumpster talk and how this, because I, I love it. Yeah. I, I know. So I, I want to know about it when start, why, and what is your purpose? 
Well, you, you can go. I'll do the start. start. I do the start. So, like I said, I lasted two weeks in broadcast journalism because I have a face for radio. So right. I started this out. And um, basically, I talked to two of the younger guys, Alex and Carrie, who first started. Alex is Mike's um, cousin. So they first started. Alex is the most was the most shy kid you could ever imagine. But he listened. To, he trusted me on everything. And he's like, OK, Carrie is everywhere. He's on TikTok. He creates these guys are creating TikTok content like crazy and doing right. a great job. And that's another thing. People need to not have these preconceived notions about platforms. People are people. I'm not on TikTok, but I'm not vigilant against it. If people are there, I want our guys to be there. So anyway, we started just doing these little discussions. Um, and then uh, we did one or two just in a setting in our yard because I because our yard's very visual. But right. then I realized our service is 24-hour turnaround service on dumpsters. So if we stage the set as a dumpster, it might have a little more traction and right. it does for first of all like like for any podcast a, a recommendation is find a unique setting that makes sense that markets your actual product and people will talk about it and be interested in it because of that that's that's at the very base level of how it started yep but when these guys all joined in and started like building it up i realized really what we're we're not selling dumpster service we're selling youth culture here so why not let them just take it if it was just me talking it, it would have such little relevance the fact that these guys now do all the work of it all the editing all the prep i just help get help them get guests but they're doing everything and they're 20 and 21 year olds cool that's the magic of it so why don't you talk about it? He, I don't know that you thought you'd be doing this. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, I never really was a big fan of like being on video. Like I was never on podcasts before. But when I came back, I was at school for a year. Um, when was that? Like it's all a blur. Yeah, like September 2020 to May 2021, I was at school at Thaddeus Stevens um, in Lancaster. So mm -hmm. I would always come back, like if I got out of school early, I would come back and I see like them doing the dumpster talks and then I finally got to be in one. And I just, I do actually like, I really enjoy it. Um, I can't say that I watch them afterwards because I hate like hearing myself speak, but I do love like just connect, like you can connect with people in here and just like learn about them. They can learn about you. And it's just like, they're always really good. Like right. I feel like each one gets better. And um, I also like, we don't only do like scrap people. Um, we do like really anyone, anyone in the community, just trying to um, help get them out there as well. It's 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 really cool. And what I like about it is they bring such an approach of learning to it. They're not demonstrating their knowledge. They're looking to learn. And as you have the same exact presence about you, it's the love of people and the love of understanding human connection and human stories. That I think as we go into the future, I think there's going to be such a premium on human connection and human stories and and just people, because every every solution you hear um, for industry and automation takes people out of the mix and puts them in some other role. But right. I think what that's going to do is accentuate even more. You can see it from COVID. 
if you did not step out of COVID and say, and this is something we did as a company tactically, we said people are starving for personal connection. Right. So we went out and joined every single group we could in this community. And we have people at every event because the time was never better for that. And at the same right. time, people see you virtually. They feel like they already know you because they've heard your content, just like right. you said with your podcast. They feel like they have a leg up on knowing you. Um, and then that human connection, because that that's really what's going to matter ultimately. That's what makes us different. Yeah, totally agree. Guys, I really appreciate your time. And for those people that are seeing us, this is being recorded, recorded at 7 a.m. in the morning. So oh, we've already put in a couple hours of work. We yeah, already okay. bailed some, we bailed some aluminum actually for you. Really? Cool. <laughs> yes, we did. It was an old chicken house. Those long aluminum sheets that are such a pain in the neck to get down into the baler. We already <laughs> took out this morning and loaded out three trucks. So yes, we're we're on it. Cool. Yeah, I I I, I wake up every day at 4.30 a.m. So for me, being like, yeah, several hours. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that, my friend. Yeah, cool. So guys, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I know you're very, very busy, uh, but I really appreciate it. And hopefully this is the first time that we have these conversations. Uh, I I will be more than honored if you can invite me to your podcast anytime. Uh, I will, really, oh, I will really love it. And I will, of course... Uh, if in any point you want uh, some people that get there, I have a lot of, let's say, friends that can be a really good asset for your podcast. So let me know. Love it. We would love that. My only requirement is I want a different Yankees hat for each time. Todd, Todd's going to have to <laughs> bring have to his. Bring Yankees hat. Oh, I, want I have, a, I have how several. Many you, how many do uh, you have? At like 10. Okay. All right. You're going to have to up your game if you're going to come yeah. to us. <laughs> you're always welcome here. We would love to have you in person in the dumpster too. Sure. Oh, sure, sure. For anytime, I, I will. I will. I will. I, I think I will be in New York soon, and my camera okay. guy lives in New York, so for sure, maybe we can just go there with him and do something very nice. Yes, you can, and then you can yeah, you can give us a new business idea. We love it. Oh, it's been an honor being on here, Julio. I I, I can't thank you. thank you enough for the invite. Thank we you. we've oh, been honored. Nice. We've been honored to be on and we admire your story and I encourage you to keep telling your story because it will help people understand that um, the, the immigrant, the, the refugee, the whatever, the hustler story is what really builds this country. It's not the entitled. So thank I, you I and keep, keep, keep telling your story. Oh, thank you so much. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys, for being here with us.